So I'd like to hand over to the chair of this afternoon's panel, <coughs> excuse me, Dr. Susan Liddy. Um, uh, Susan lectures in the Department of Media and Communications in Mary Immaculate College at UL. Her research interests and publications um, relate to gender issues in script development and production process, creativity and the creative practice, female screenwriters and the female voice, and the representation of, of older women in screen narratives. She's a member of the Equality Action Committee, representing the Writers Guild and the Screen Directors Guild of Ireland on matters pertaining to equality. And she was the organiser of women in the art film industry moving from the margins to the centre in 2017 in Mary Immaculate College. So I'd like to hand over to Susan Liddy to introduce the other panellists Thanks. and kickstart today's Thanks. I should just add to that, sorry enough, this sounds a bit, but I am also um, chair of the Equality Action Committee of the Writers and Screen Directors Guild. I see Bert Hamilton there, and I think we, we want to give a nod to the writers and directors who are so involved in this as well. Um, I suppose I should have written a proper intro, because I guess the thing is now, I just assume that everybody knows what the issues are, and maybe they aren't, but I think this morning did help. So before I introduce the panel, if you'd just bear with me for one second, uh, because I say I didn't prepare, I've written something down, I can hardly read my writing, but just to give you a, a, a few things, just to, to kind of put it in context. Internationally, uh, it's clear that women are far from equal participants in film. Now, they're, they're far from equal participants in all kinds of sectors, but we're not really, for the moment, looking at that. And film is particularly important because of the stories that are being told, because of the images and the characters that are being disseminated and the issues. And so I think it's very important who makes the films. That, that kind of, for me, raises the importance of gender equality in film way above other things. So internationally, there's been a lot of talk. Um, a US researcher, I can't remember this minute who she was, but a US researcher commented that uh, in terms of the dialogue, the characters, female characters, which uh, uh, Roddy touched on this morning, um, the number of women protagonists and all of that, that nothing has changed for nearly half a century. It's kind of a sameness. So for the last little bit of a while, a few years, but in the scheme of things, I suppose, it's still quite new, um, there are a lot of issues being discussed. And I suppose Sweden came up this morning. Where did all this come from? Sweden is the is the the big, uh, I suppose, push that, that Anna Cerner has driven this initially in Europe. Um, uh, Australia, Screen Australia are doing some fine work in a different way. Uh, the National Film Board of Canada um, and uh, UK are co coming on board now. Now, within all of that, there is no doubt that Irish, um, Irish funders, the BAI and the IFB, both... Um, getting very much involved and it has to be acknowledged as I know it was this morning that the Irish Film Board really did um, grapple with this issue um, and push the boat out. There's, there's no question of that and I, I think we would all acknowledge that. I suppose what I'm interested in today as I'm sure you all are is having a policy in place is an absolute start. We must have it. We must have the statistics and we must have the policy. But when that's done and when the celebrations are over we then move to the next step and that is is it being implemented? What's going on? Or can you sit on a policy for 10 years and nothing happened? We do, I don't think any of us want that. So I'm very excited to hear uh, what that, this catch-up is about today. So just to give a quick um, interview to, to everybody here, Annie Duna, uh, Chair of the Irish Film Board, President of IADT, uh, which houses the National Film School. Uh, Annie, one of the architects of the Six Point Plan, um, that is the gender um, equality policy in the IFB. Then Stephanie Comey, a senior manager with BAI, 
the author of the BAI Gender and Action Plan, which I know she'll be talking about today, and Anne-Marie Gray, Deputy Director of the IFI and Director of Finance, and Anne-Marie will be coming things from a different angle, um, looking at more what can actually be really done at the ground to spotlight films that have women at the helm and to make sure we all know what's on and get us in there. Um, so if we could start with you, Annie, that'd be great, thanks.
for the first POV round, and it is hugely encouraging. We have been snowed under. I see James Hickey, the CEO of the film board, at the back there. Afternoon, James. Uh, James will tell you that it's great. It's fantastic that we have had, we have been inundated with good films from women who are looking for the chance to make the film and for the additional funding. So I think that's something that we're going to continue that scheme to encourage women to apply for those amounts of funding. We know from the research as well that women historically have not applied for large amounts of feature film funding. They tend to apply for smaller amounts. So this is up to 400k. It's not huge, but it is a decent amount. And we're encouraging those applications from women. We've also looked at something called enhanced production funding for both female initiatives and female-driven feature films. And this is additional support of up to 100,000 for projects that are in application to the production funding if the feature film is led by a female writer-director or a writer-director combination. And I think, again, this is a recognition that if the production companies or people thinking about putting in films felt there was an additional support, an additional recognition that they were taking the issue of gender diversity and encouraging female talent seriously, then that might have a good effect. So, additional 100,000. It was controversial. Not everybody in the industry likes this idea that if you have female talent, female-driven films, it gets more money. But I think, uh, from my own experience in higher education, the best initiatives are the initiatives that have had the most immediate impact, have had money attached. I think that's where we're at. There's also increased support of up to 25,000 for documentary production funding for projects led by a female director. So again, additional funding available there. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to monitor those schemes, the POV scheme and this scheme, and look at has it had an impact? Will it have a long-term effect? It's not to say we're not doing all the other things in our six-point plan. We're continuing sponsorship, support, mentoring, training, dialogue with BAI and others. But we're looking very specifically at what impact does this funding have? And I think that will be, that will be quite important for us to monitor that. It's early days, it's the first round of it, but we're already beginning to see increases in applications, which is good. We have the development focus uh, for female-initiated feature films, and we've just relaunched our screenplay development for established and emerging talent. And again, we have a commitment, both stated and in reality, to achieving gender parity across the scheme. So we're looking for feature films, more feature films that have a diverse subject matter, that are led by women, that involve women, that are about women's issues. In the film board, we haven't really done the stuff the IFI has done yet, which is look very much at the content of films. We're looking at the talent making the films, but obviously that's something of, of interest to us as well. Uh, you'll see in a minute when I do the statistics that a continuing issue for us is applications. That's really where we still are getting stuck, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. But this is us really having a gender awareness across all of the funding schemes that we offer. I'll just talk a little bit about our Gender Equality and Diversity Subcommittee. Uh, this new committee came into effect in September 2017. So we've had the six-point plan, we've had standing agenda items looking at diversity, but we felt, and I think this is, has happened in other institutions as well, that an equality subcommittee that really kept a focus on this, looked at the stats, kept bringing us good ideas, was available to meet with partners, would be really good. And this committee is consulting with external bodies, 
to establish policies, new policies and guidelines, and to monitor what works and what doesn't work. And uh, the board members there, as you can see, Marion Quinn, writer, director, Kevin Coleman, producer, Mark Fenton. Mark is, is a, a businessman, uh, runs his own company, but has a strong interest in diversity as well, and Rachel Lysett, um, producer. So we have people, and myself, I should say that, who uh, is, is an educationist. We also have taken to co-opting people onto that committee from time to time, depending on what the focus of the work that that committee is doing. So I think that committee is, is working very well, and again, you can have a look at that on the website. One of the things that's been really important is who we talk to, because we don't want to be talking just to ourselves and to people that we know are sympathetic and supportive in the industry. So we've had good dialogue with RTE, the BAI, Stephanie's here today, Screen Producers Ireland, the Gills, Animation Ireland. And we've been, more recently, which we're very excited about, beginning a very serious engagement with production companies to discuss what they can do around gender equality. Because what women are saying to us, it's very hard to get into the large, probably five, production companies in Ireland. It's very difficult to get them to look at work, to get them to take a chance on a project, to get them to, sometimes to even meet and talk. And we're hearing from the production companies, well, actually, we want to change that. So we are very pleased with that. And we had the first of those formal meetings with the Gender Equality Subcommittee and one of the major production companies the other day. And they were very supportive and very keen. And we turned it to them. We said, what are you going to do? Not what can we do to help you? be more diverse, but what are you going to do? What are you going to bring to the table? And I have to say, with the first one, I think there was a willingness to think, to go away, and to come back with some ideas. So it may be talking about training, it may be talking about specific initiatives, days, schemes that they want to do as the big production companies. But I think that's very important for changing the, um, the gender diversity issue. Okay, so where are we? So what I'm saying is, you know, we're doing a lot with the plan, with the Equality Subcommittee, we're working with the production companies, we're talking to partners. Is it having an impact, is the question. And the answer is yes and no, okay? If you look at the statistics from 2011 to 2017, you can see these on our website year on year. But we did, for the purposes of this, uh, a composite of 2011 to 2017. And the top one there is produced Irish feature films. So Irish feature films. So. Films for the female writer, 21%. Films for the female director, 17%. Producers always do better. 60% films for the female producer. And we started to look at, at the main protagonist, and at the moment that's looking at about 40%. But we have a bit more detailed work to do on that. So it's not moved hugely. Production has moved a bit, but if you went back over the years, between 2011 and 2017, it is moving at a glacial pace. Really, I think the film board is, is aware of that. It is moving, it's going in the right direction, but it's very slow. And a lot of it, again, is to do with the percentage of applications that are coming in from women across all those categories. So we're trying very hard when it gets to what we do at the film board, what the team do, but really if you look at the application numbers that are coming in, they are still far too low, particularly for the bigger budget productions. Um, now, this is a bit, um, I'm going to be a bit cheaty in a minute. This looks good. <laughs> I, we said in our six-point plan we wanted to hit 50-50 by 2020. We could be really cheaty and say, look at that, we've done it in the first quarter of 2018. But I wouldn't do that to you. Um, 
The first quarter is just the first quarter, and it represents a very small number mm. of mm. films that have been funded. So we are not going to get excited. Mm. I would love to see that 50% in that last set of slides that I, I showed you. So production funding, 50-50-50, but it's a very small number. Mm. Projects in development, 46% female writer, which is better, 23% director. 54% female producer, but again, we're talking about small numbers. We are hoping that with the increased funding, that with the schemes that we've been putting in, with the dialogue we've been having with production companies, that that will start to shift. We are still committed by 2020 to 50-50, but we're hoping that there will be some shift in that. Um, if there isn't, what are we going to do? I mean, we've had a lot of discussion about quotas, we know that there are differences in opinions in the film industry. There are different opinions in the film board about quotas. There are different opinions across the industry. Um, we've had a look at whether that is something we want to still consider. Whether if we get to 2020 and things are moving very, very slowly, we do the Irish Parliament and we say, I'm sorry, there has to be a slate, there has to be a quota. We're looking at our forms, we're looking at our processes. We're looking at unconscious bias. We're going to be doing unconscious bias training for the film board and film board staff. So we're looking, at, we're hitting lots and lots of different angles to say, what is it that is really impacting on these figures going up? We're continuing the mentoring, the sponsoring. We're saying to people, you know, mentoring's grand, but we want you to be sponsors for women directors and producers. We want to be going out there and talking about them. So we want you to be going out and saying, have you seen Stephanie Comer's work? She's fantastic, you should look at her work. Yeah, I have no idea whether you make films, Stephanie, I don't suppose you have the time for it. So it's, it's, it's really promoting those. We want the production companies to sponsor women to say, okay, we will follow that woman's career, we will support, we will help, we will sponsor, we will talk about her, we will encourage, we will actively go out and look for those female directors, writers, producers. So we've got a lot going on, but what we're saying is, you know, does it make, at the end of the day, any difference? What are the big things that are going to make the difference? And that's what we're keeping an eye on in terms of the research. <coughs> However, just to say another few things we're doing and then give you some, some good news. Um, <laughs> this is a piece of good news. The Irish Film Board um, at the Irish Pavilion will hold the host Women in Hollywood's AGM this year. And I know we've had about 120 women already have signed up. I'm not sure, James, where we're going to fit them all in at the pavilion. But here it goes out onto the beach, so we're praying for good weather. Uh, so that's great. That's Women in Hollywood recognising that Ireland has done a lot of work around this area and saying, we'd like to work with you in Cannes, would you host this event? And I'm going to be speaking about the kinds of things that I'm talking about here today, uh, which is great. We also have a special women and Irish film feature wall in our pavilion. We get a lot of visitors, a lot of footfall from all around the world to that pavilion. So the feature wall this year is on women and film to really make the point that this is something for co-productions, we're interested in, this is something that we are interested in seeing work, seeing applications, seeing talent. So that's going to be dedicated to, to Irish female filmmakers. Annie, just to say a couple of minutes or we'll run short at the end of okay, the questions. Okay, I'll through these very quickly. Um, I'm just going to show you some of the ones that are coming up this year for you to watch out for. First one, Float Like a Butterfly, directed by Carmel Winters, set in 1970s Ireland, film about boxing, female boxer. These are going to go through, I'll a girl from Mogadishu, very important um, activist from Somalia, Peter in Virginia, co-production uh, produced by Katie Holly, filmed on location in Dublin, and Wicklow, my own place. 
the relationship between Virginia and uh, Vita, who you will all know about, uh, Sonia White Swan, Keepers of the Flame, Lula O'Connor, um, looking at the Irish Civil War, Windmill Lane, directed by a graduate of mine, Ashling Walsh, looking at the development of that studio, that iconic studio, and a very harrowing but very interesting documentary, Mother Brings Her Son to be Shot, directed by Sinead O'Shea, produced by Amy Bracken of Blinder Films. Um, and again, Kim Loganotti's film, Shooting the Mafia. That went through really quickly. It's just really an opportunity to say there are, look at our production catalogue, look on the website, there are some really good films by, about, starring, directed by, produced by women in 2018. The job of the film board and the job of the Gender Equality Subcommittee is to grow that is to grow the funding, to grow the development of that talent, to work with the National Film School, with Fiche Filming Schools, with young Irish filmmakers, with our partners, to really push female filmmaking, female writing, directing, editing and producing. It's going slowly, we're doing an awful lot, and we hope, I hope to be standing here in a couple of years' time and saying this is moving far more quickly now. It'll be interesting to see the, the impact of additional funding on that. So sorry to rush through that at the end, but there's some rare films coming up, strongly urge you to go and see them, and as we do, to really support Irish female talent, and to call out, more importantly, bad behaviour around gender, when you hear it or when you see it. That's something we want to do as well. So thank you. Thanks, Annie. Uh, it was a bit rushed at the end, so. Uh, okay, so Stephanie Comey is going to take us through the BAI, well, all sorts of things about the BAI, I suppose, but particularly their uh, Gender Action Plan, which was published just re recently. Good afternoon, and um, thank you for being here. I just have a presentation that we're loading. So I'm going to talk about uh, the BAI uh, Gender Action Plan. Um, and I suppose I talked here last year about what the plan was likely to uh, entail uh, in full. Um, so good news is uh, what I told you last year is was more or less spot on <laughs> with a few added bits uh, that we're, we're going to go through um, now. So sorry, can I use this? Yeah, that's great technology. Yeah? Um, so listen, uh, gender equality, sorry, I'm I think going it's way too fast. fast, here it is. Uh, BR Gender Action Plan, I'm going to talk about the framework because that's quite important to understand where that came from, uh, beyond coming from discussions here in Ireland as well. The areas of focus of the plan, and then I've got some changing data about the latest round of Salmon Vision, which uh, was closed in uh, just before Christmas there. I'm not sure exactly when the date, but. Um, so the framework for the BI Gender Action Plan really is the recommendation uh, for gender equality from the Council of Europe and uh, that was published in September 2017. And I was lucky enough actually to participate in the drafting of that so it was kind of trying to bring that back home then into a framework that could uh, work for the BAI. And what uh, the recommendation says uh, is that uh, member states need to review legislation, regulation and policies to support gender equality. They need to collect, monitor and publish data. They need to support research. Um, and, sorry, it's very slow for some reason. There should be something else coming up. Yes, they need to encourage the ongoing development of digital literacy. So we've looked at that 
and obviously enhance accountability processes. So we've looked at that and say, how can we bring that back into the BAI, to the work that we do, not just with Sound and Vision, but definitely with Sound and Vision, but also across all of our other regulatory areas for TV and radio in Ireland. So the plan is aligned to the Council of Europe, but it also takes into account the national strategy for women and girls, 2017-2020. Uh, it takes into account the Equality Act of 2014, because that outlines a public sector duty, that public service organisations have a duty to promote equality. Uh, so that's one of the ways that we looked at uh, meeting that requirement. It's aligned to our statement of strategy, uh, because we have a theme of promoting diversity and plurality. We have a strategic objective deriving from that theme about fostering a media landscape that is representative of and accessible to the diversity of Irish society. And we have a stated outcome in 2019. We want to be in a place where the Irish audiovisual media sector, which is a sector, is more diverse in terms of its content and those involved in, the, in its production. So that's kind of the framework of the plan. Uh, what do we get? We get a gender action plan. So there's four keys in, within the plan to promote uh, gender equality. One is data collection and publication. The second one is supporting research. You've seen those words before. The third one is a derivation, if you like, of the uh, Council of Europe recommendation and talks about encouraging the development of gender initiatives internally within the BAI, but also with all stakeholders. And the fourth one is enhancing accountability processes, and that includes monitoring, reporting. So data uh, collection and publication, some example of the stuff that we're doing with Sound and Vision. Um, so applicants for funding, some of you may be um, Sound and Vision uh, applicants for funding. You now have to outline at application stage the gender of your producer, writer and director as applicable. Now we do understand that this is real life, so things may change sometimes, that's okay, but we need to have data coming in because we're also collecting the data coming out, so we need to be able to cross-reference all of that. Okay. Um, Sound and Vision contractors, so once you've been awarded funding and signed a contract with the VAI, you now have to report on the gender of the key creative roles in order to draw down your final tranche of payment. Normally about 10% is held back until the project is finished. We want to know your breakdown uh, of key creative roles. It includes producer, writer, director, obviously, but it goes further. It goes editor, it goes director of photography, it takes uh, a few, and I don't have a sample of the contract here, but it breaks down exactly what we want. And that's to help us collect the data. Um, the strategic assessment criteria, if you're familiar with Sound and Vision, there's a qualitative criteria where we look at the was qualitative aspect of the application, and then there's a strategic element to see about the uh, spread of genres, of um, broadcasters, etc. etc. The strategic assessment criteria, I'm speaking very fast, I'm sorry, <laughs> now includes gender, yes. <laughs> and what we mean by that is that there is essentially a rating that is uh, attached to applications who have women uh, producer, writer, or director. Okay, so they get an extra boost, if, if you like, in the, in the points system at the end. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk about other areas of broadcasting because uh, that's what we do. Uh, and just for interest, commercial radio broadcaster returns, they have to send us a form every year that outlines their financial situation, their staff breakdown, etc., etc. That's a regulatory mechanism that we use every year. 
Now we're also asking them, like we always did actually, this is not particularly new, but we asked them for a gender breakdown of their managerial and non-managerial staff. Um, but we also want to know the salary markets because we know that there are different differences and differentials of pay. So if we capture that within the forms, we're able to assess that radio station managers, uh, female ones and male ones are not necessarily paid the same and what's the rationale for that. Community broadcasters <coughs> and TV and radio and those interested in the community license must adhere to a 60-40 uh, gender breakdown within their boards. Uh, that's a very old uh, provision that's over 20 years old mm. and it's been in place since that, uh, that time. Talking about research very briefly, because I have numbers and I know you'll want to see those, uh, we are going to promote active research, we've already done that. We want to, uh, particularly interested I suppose in research of um, access for women to the industry, but in leadership roles, because we know that, that's, that there's not necessarily an issue with women accessing the industry, but there's an issue with leadership roles within the industry, and that's something that we're particularly interested in. in. The other thing that we're interested in as well is representation and the on-screen portrayal of, uh, of women, mm. and that's a very important part of the uh, recommendation to the Council of, from the Council of Europe, and something that we'd be interested in analyzing further as well. And then what obstacles to participation and general working conditions do exist? So this is something we haven't, we've nothing going on at the moment on the research front, but these are the areas that we're going to target. Um, debates with a view to improving policy and legislation. The plan came from all of those debates, so you know that it works, that's uh, the only thing I can say about that. And then partnership, and Annie talked about that. Um, and let me completely echo that view. I think it's really important that there is a, a, a kind of concerted approach. Um, the third point of the plan is encouraging the development of gender initiatives internally within the BAI, but also with stakeholders. We have a fair amount of funding beyond Sound and Vision. Sound and Vision is obviously a huge proportion of it, but we also fund networks. Um, industry networks for various pieces, we, fund, we sponsor uh, industry events, so it's also trying to work with those stakeholders in order to see um, how we can uh, uh, encourage the development of gender initiatives. So there's a commitment to continue working on delivering training and development initiatives. We've been doing that for 20 years, certainly we'll continue doing that. We fund women in film and television, for example, for training events. We fund a network called Women on Air, which works specifically at enabling um, expert panels to be more gender diverse and represent more women voices on, uh, in broadcasting. Um, so there's a number of things that we have been doing for a number of years and we're certainly not stopping to do that. Um, the next point is also to focus on the creative opportunities of sound and vision, which is really <coughs> a huge amount of funding, I suppose, if we look at uh, the, the amount that has been dispersed under Sound and Vision. So the idea there is to focus both, both on the on-screen and the off-screen. So the things that we've been talking about, and we don't have a date, but I would expect that we will be talking about it some more this year, in 2017, would be definitely, the, it was very interesting to hear Annie talk about unconscious bias training, we're going to do the same. We're going to do it with our staff, we're going to do it with our board, and we're going to try and do it with the networks that we support and to see how that's, um, that's helping. And we are also 
thinking, I'm sorry Lauren McKenzie isn't here because that's really her idea, which uh, we stole, but I think she'd be happy about it. <laughs> we are um, considering, um, and it's, it's uh, going to be in 2019 at some stage, but I don't have a date for you, uh, well I think it's going to be in 2019 anyway, it's what we're going to call a women's stories. So it's going to be a special round of sound and vision. It doesn't matter what kind of projects are being funded. It can be feature films, it can be documentaries, it can be animation, it can be anything that you need or anything that comes there. It doesn't have to be written or produced or directed by a woman, but it needs to tell a woman's story and there are women's stories. And the idea behind that is trying to change the narrative. It's trying to pro project more, more women's stories on screen uh, because they're not really there as much as we'd like and also to kind of provide some variety into what those women's stories are. That they're not stereotypical roles, that they're not traditional uh, female characters that we might see or that they talk about stuff that we've never heard about, you know, um, that kind of stuff. So that's certainly something that we're uh, actively planning. We need to talk to the industry about that because uh, if we want the projects, we need to give people time to write them <laughs> and to write the applications supporting them. So that's why there's no data attached to that, but that's something that we're definitely uh, going to, to look at uh, further this year. In terms of accountability, which we see as a key part of all this, because and uh, just to echo what um, um, Susan was saying earlier on, it's lovely having a plan, but you need to be able to deliver it and you need to be able to have some frameworks and some landmarks. So obviously one of our accountability pieces is this plan. Um, initiatives such as those outlined above would be promoted, we'd be publishing them and we'd be evaluating them for success. Okay? So I talked about the monitoring of um, gender data, for example, we'd be publishing that. Uh, we'll seek partnerships with key players, um, other public bodies, um, the Irish Fund Board, other fund funders, broadcasters, anybody really, um, just in order to enhance accountability across the industry, in places where it might be more difficult for us to reach. But if we work in partnership, it might be easier to get there. And then we'll include an assessment of the implementation and the effectiveness within the annual report. And that will be, we might probably would do more than that, but that's definitely the, the, the base minimum that we will do. Um, I've got some data for uh, Sound and Vision. Have I got a bit of time? Just a couple of minutes. A couple of minutes. You want to see this? You really do. <laughs> no, uh, the, I'm going to talk about TV producer, TV writer, TV stories, okay, uh, and TV director. Um, so this is the last round, round 30, which closed, I think, before Christmas. So producer, we kind of knew that we were 40, 60-ish kind of thing. So oh, it's very small, I'm sorry. So actually, um, it's 52 female. This is only at application stage, guys, okay? So don't over get overexcited either. But this is the application that we've received and we've extracted the data from the application that we have received. Some of those projects are being contracted at the moment. Some of them are being uh, filmed at the moment. But we won't really know until we get to the end of the process. So I'll come back and give you some more data once I have it. But I thought that might be useful. So in the number of applications received, and it would have been helpful if I put the number, I can't remember for the life of me what it was now, I can find that for you, um, there was 52%, um, sorry, 59.77% uh, female applications versus 39.08%.
And when it says not applicable, it's because possibly it wasn't, um, the application wasn't, um, sorry, it, it, it didn't meet the criteria. So we received the application, but it, it, it didn't uh, get uh, processed. So if you look at it, oh yeah, we had 52 applications from women producers, 34 from men producers. We had one application that wasn't applicable, as I said, and sometimes people don't state it, and that's represented here. And they requested an amount of nine and a half million for women producers and six, just over six million for men. So I thought that was an interesting number. Uh, regarding TV producers' applications that were successful, um, it's 63.64% of the total with female producers attached that got funding. So that's good. And Susan is telling me that I need to go faster. These are the amounts. <laughs> TV writer. TV writer isn't bad either. I was quite, uh, and actually our, I think our data collaborates very much mm -hmm. with the IFI's data. We're, we're, we're more or less on track here. 37% uh, women writers. 32% male writers, and then they, sometimes there's joint writing, so that, you know, it, 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 that's not captured in this particular thing. And these are the amount uh, requested in terms of value. That's not necessarily the amount that's, that's granted. Uh, TV writers successful, again, 36% successful for men, 30, for women, sorry, 30% for men, these are the amount. And I'm just gonna go to the director, because that's where the category where we need to work, I think. Um, 70% uh, uh, directors were uh, applying for funding were men, uh, with 27 uh, female and 2% not stated, or yeah, just over. And these are the amount. In terms of the successful application, well, it's kind of the same picture 72%, 21%. So we really do have a problem with, uh, with directors. Now, I think we knew that, but this is kind of the status. And I'm done. Okay. Thanks, Stephanie. Okay, so we have the IFI's uh, Anne-Marie Gray now. Hi everybody, um, so I've been tasked with um, doing the number crunching um, as Director of Finance, I think probably the most qualified. <laughs> um, just to uh, give you a heads up, you're going to see a lot of purple, you want to hear the word percentage a lot, um, but that's good. Um, I'd like to thank Dave O'Mahony there for the chats and Kevin from Coin, who don't think here, for the keeper of the spreadsheets and uh, Sunita for all our long discussions about um, gender. Um, so, and I'm absolutely delighted to be asked to do this because normally I'm standing in front of a set of accounts um, with glazed expressions in front of my face. <laughs> so, um, and it's also a, a topic that I'm, I'm really, really interested in and uh, really speaks to me. So, I'm just going to um, go over what I'm going to cover. Um, so the IFI strategy, what we say, what we've written down about gender, how we formally recognise it. Um, the IFI programme covers, I know Sneed did this last year, so I said Cheryl did it again, and we'll see where we've gone. Um, and the F rating, which is um, a very key um, action and very visible action that we um, introduced last year, and give a bit of credit to that. I'm going to look at our new releases. Um, and other IFI programming, I've just split it up between new releases and then all our other programming because I think um, new releases, we don't have much say in the gender breakdown. Uh, we do, in 
whereas there's a bit more flexibility in, in other strands. And then where, where do they come from? So, let's start. So last June our strategy was um, published um, in June 2017 um, for our five-year strategy. And it's the first time we've really written down um, our views, our thoughts on gender. It says deeper understanding, sorry, strategic outcome by 2022 will be a deeper understanding of the variety of them by reflecting a diversity of thought in our programming choices through different voices, eras, genders and culture. And our programs, I'm just going to just note, like our programs are really identifiable. They're, they're, there's about 25,000 of them published every single month. You get them posted to you if you're a member. They're around, all around the IFI. They're all around the city centre. And it's a real, you know, statement of what we show, what we, we prioritise. So they're, they're all our covers from 2017. And I've just pulled out some data from some of these. Um, where we've got multiple women, I've just counted them as one. Where we've multiple men, I've just counted them as one. Cartoon boy, I said boy. <laughs> um, Muddy mother, call me by your name. And then, now this is a mountain. I couldn't tell if it was a male or female mountain. But I figured that the person in the distance was male after a lot of so, what covers? In 2017, 41% um, of those features on the covers are female, 58% um, of the covers feature uh, a female, 82% uh, of the covers feature male. Um, that's less well than we did last year. So 2016, we had 55% of those covered were female, 91% um, featured a female, 75% uh, featured a male. However, where we did do better was that five of the, those covers you saw were of female directors, and two of those were Irish. It was Laura McGann uh, for Revolutions and um, Ashley Walsh for Maud. So, the F rating. So, in our programme, you would have seen this symbol here um, beside all of our films, and it was something that I know Suniva talked at length about last year. Um, that we were about to introduce, and I'm just going to do a quick recap as to what it is. Um, so it was introduced by, well, there used to be the Bath Film Festival, but they're now known as Film Bath, and in, in 2014. And the purpose of doing it was to, well, they say on the website anyway, is to assist audiences to choose film that fairly represent women, and to illustrate clearly to distributors, producers, and funders female representation. Um, I think it's important um, really to, to do this in, in that it is not preserving the status quo. It's about doing something proactive in order to address the, um, the issue in relation to um, representation. Um, according to them, there's 60,000 film organisations use the rating in the UK, which is, I think, amazing. Um, and in March last year, IMDB introduced it. Now it's very hard to find, I don't know if anybody has tried, but if you look up a film on IMDb, I couldn't quite find where the F rating was, but if you, it is a filter in the reports, um, and as of last Monday there were 22,935. Um, we introduced it in July 2017 um, to nearly overwhelming positive feedback. Um, lots of positive coverage in um, um, the papers, um, social media, responses on social media were very, very positive. Um, 
so uh, like we, it was a complete big win for us. Um, everybody saw it very positively. Which, uh, when I checked their um, BAT website to see who else is doing it in Ireland, there was only two other organisations, and that was the QFT and Triscoll who introduced the F rating. And considering it's such a positive thing, I would have expected more. So what is the F rating? Now, this is the definition that was in place in 2017. Um, so it's a direct, film directed by a woman, or written by a woman, or features a significant women on screen in their own right. So the first two are pretty easy to kind of decide upon. The third one, slightly more difficult, because um, even when I was talking to colleagues about well, should that be an F rating? Should that not be? When we were talking, uh, Kevin sent me the list with um, Jackie didn't have an F rating, and I thought, well, should that not be an F rating? Um, and we had a good old chat about it. Um, and I think um, you could actually easily manipulate your F rating based on that. So, in actual fact, the F rating has changed, and BAT themselves changed it, um, and the IFI have also changed it for 2018. And what it will be is that it's a Filmed with an, a female director and or writer, um, and a gold F rating if it also features a significant woman in their own right. And that's what we're doing now, but what I'm reporting on is um, what we had the definition is 2017. So, how did we do um, after all that? Um, what basically I've done overall results here for films that you could buy tickets to in the IFI, and we had 434 titles, 171 were F rated, that's 39.4%, and actually I could have rounded that up to 40, but the accountant and me wouldn't allow me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 118 were directors, female directors, that's 27.19%. Um, and last year that figure was 16.71%. So I think that's, um, that's a positive. <laughs> Um, and then it's just a, a nice little graph for you to kind of see the increase. So I'm going to break that down a bit between um, new releases and um, our other strands. Because um, in new releases actually represent 27% of all the titles we show. Um, and it's what I mentioned earlier that we have less control over. So we have 118 titles, um, 48 were F rated, um, which is 40.68%. Um, directors only were 23.73% um, and in 2016 that was 17.60%. So um, you could say that that's increased, um, which it has. Um, and that's, we had fewer um, releases in 2017 versus last year. Uh, we had fewer male directors than we had last year for the releases, but we had more female directors um, than last year. Um, one thing to point out is that when I gave you the overall results, um, the percentage was 27%, and you see there for new releases it's 23.73%, which means that obviously the other factor has um, increased the percentage, so the other factor is our other strands of um, programming. So, there were 316 titles, 123 were F-rated, um, that's 38.92%, and 90 were directors, so there's that higher figure I mentioned, 28.48%. So as everyone who's aware of what we do in the IFI, we have um, numerous um, different uh, programming strands, and some have um, different percentages and different um, figures than others. So I've already talked about new releases, 
And as you can see there, we have I've broken it down between classics um, and re-releases, seasons, festivals, which are marquee festivals, the family, uh, documentary, Harathon, and French festivals, and our monthly strands, which would be like Wild Strawberries over 55s, um, um, Bigger Picture, etc. Um, our evening course and our once-off screenings. Um, and so, just continue on. Um, so I've just done strands there by comparison. That's the uh, F rating versus directors for the most successful things that we do good. Don't worry, I'll go to the things that we don't do so well. Um, once-off screening, so the like one-time one event um, had the highest uh, percentage of F rating. Um, in, included in that were things like our Vivian Dick, some Vivian Dick screenings, um, International Women's Day and the Feminist Film Festival. Um, then under our monthly strands, things like From the Vaults and um, Wild Strawberries and actually um, going to one of the panels that was on this morning when Alice Butler, who was chairing it, asked how do we do in terms of aiming films for diversity, is that they do very well. Um, they also have, would be included in the monthly strands and they actually bring up that percentage. Um, last year we had, um, I'm going to pronounce all this wrong, Peggy Yawash and Julie Murray, is that right? Mm -hmm. um, and they contributed to those ones there. And Marie, sorry, just to say, we're, we're getting to a stage where we have very little time for questions, so okay. just to be aware, okay. I know you are not the worst <laughs> offender whatsoever, <laughs> and not looking at any Duna at all. Um, Um, so then just on festivals, which as I mentioned before, and I just want to say about festivals is that um, if you took Carathon out, your results would be much, much better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was 30, 30, 33 titles in Carathon this year, and there was no female director. Um, our family festival had 75% female directors, our documentary was 52%, uh, and the French was 40.74%. Um, I'm just going to what Tony mentioned this morning about that tingly feeling of seeing your people up on the screen. Um, my favourite, um, and I know I'm going off, sorry, <laughs> my favourite film that I saw at the French Festival was Aurora, and that's because I saw myself on the screen, <laughs> and it was a story we don't often see, and um, so that was my tingly, seeing my people on the screen. Um, and seasons, um, we had 16 seasons, and actually last year, um, we had one for John T. Davis, which is obviously going to skew it lower on the um, director's scale. Um, but Canopus, our Polish season, had a 60% female directors. Um, I'm just going to fly through the geography. Just, this is where the productions are, where most of the female directors come from. Um, so USA, no surprise. France, but Ireland is third. Um, so I thought that was worth noting. Um, and also, I just wanted to kind of drew attention to the six mm. Irish um, women directors that we showed in our new releases this year. Mm. Reynolds for mm. the farthest, Ashley Walsh for Maudi, which was the highest grossing um, female directed film in the IFI last year. Juanita Wilson, who was here, yes. <laughs> for Tomato Red. Nyasin um, Yikanon for Loco Parentis. Kate McGann for Revolutions. And um, Keisha Callahan, who co-directed Jahaz Promise. Um, so, coming soon, well actually so soon that it's already happened, um, so we're doing the revised F rating that I mentioned earlier on, 
um, for International Women's Day, we did the bombshell, the Hedy Lamar um, story, which was brilliant. I hope everyone got to see it. And um, we had the Ida Lupino season. And I'm sure Dave has seen loads of other female directed um, freighted films in, in the future. So that's, that's great. Thank you, Anne Marie. Thank you very much. Okay, sorry folks, very few, a very short time left. Um, uh, just before I uh, ask for questions, can I just say just off my own bat, first of all we're talking about interventions along the way in different ways, which I think is great and crucially important if you want to change things. I suppose my two comments overall would be, yes, very slow, quotas, we're starting to talk about in different places, quotas, I'm not saying that's anything, I'm just saying mm -hmm. it's out there, it's not a dirty word, um, it's out there. And the other thing that um, accountability happens yeah. up, and I'm wondering about the producer's role in all of this. I wonder, um, are the producers accountable enough? I know you're the POV, mm -hmm. the very great excitement around it, on the grapevine, a lot of women just could not get producers who would take it on and were interested. So I think that's, that is an issue for another day. And, and disappointing you don't see Spy out and about quite enough, Although I know they are putting forward um, a survey now. So at the back, yes. I'm Hello. Hey. 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 Yes. Yes. Very good. Bit slow to the party, but welcome anyway. <laughs> um, okay. So, any other questions for any of the panelists? Yes. I just have a question for Andy Duna. I just heard you say that you are more interested in the application process on the person that they were female rather than the content of the application. No, no. I, I think it's. Sorry, I didn't mean to, to say that. If I said that, no. I think it's it's got to be both. I mean, inevitably, the the story is what makes a good film, and everyone's nodding at me. Uh, so I wouldn't want you to think that the production um, managers and the project managers are sitting down and not looking at the content and the story and the quality. But I think the point that we would make is, I think there has been a tendency internationally, not just in Ireland, to not even look at women's stories or women's mm. um, directed and produced and written stories. And yet we know from a purely commercial standpoint that stories about and by women doing very, very well. Mm. We've seen that in Sweden mm -hmm. and, and the USA. So it's about the story and the quality, the content, but also about encouraging more women to bring those stories forward. And the production companies, which I think is absolutely crucial. You're right, and I'm delighted to see Spy here. It is about those big production companies going out and finding mm -hmm. the female talent, because it is there. So, no, I'm not saying that the content isn't important. It absolutely no, it's is. Just, yeah. Sorry, if, if I did, that yeah, wasn't what I, I just, intended. Um, you were saying I, sorry, sorry I, I'll come back to you in a minute. You know, but bias. <laughs> I was just thinking about, you know, the leave insert, the way mm -hmm. it doesn't discriminate between anybody, mm -hmm. whether they're from a poor background. I see there's no black people here. Mm -hmm. There's so many Polish people living in Ireland. And I just, I think I'm beyond feminist, max, um, you know, male, female, I'm, I'm more humanist. I like uh, Vanessa Redgrave, who, who is of the same point of view, that, um, you know, if you believe in reincarnation in one life, you could be male, female. In the Asian tradition, you're yin and yang. There could be effeminate males and uh, mas 
masculine, female mm. centers, the transgender issue. So it would be great to get beyond the discrimination of any, of any people. If I can just point and I agree with you, and you're absolutely right, and I really have to move along now, uh, because I see so Bert Hamilton, you can just, yeah, very quickly. Said, yeah. um, I've just done a yeah. piece of research on film education. I will shut up after this. Yeah, no. And, um, you know, if you look at the, the films that are in the English leaving cert, there are no films in the main prescribed films for the English that are directed by a woman. I think there are two in the junior cycle and there are some in the additional mm. other films. So you're right, there's a lot of work to do in, in that area as well. There's yeah, a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to do in all of that, but we do have to remember, as we said this morning, women do make up 50 something plus of the population, so we do need to focus right. on them. Birch, thank you. It's great yeah. to hear all the yeah. initiatives and, and there will be positive. Yeah. The big elephant in the room is directors. Like yeah. The numbers are just Way, yeah, way they are. Know. Yeah, and if you look at like you know, even just hearing what Louise Bagnall just won for for short for late That's afternoon, right. mm -hmm. just today, uh, you know, the breadwinner in order to just mm -hmm. let alone say the amazing standard we have mm -hmm. of women directing film. I just feel the numbers are still way too low. Yeah, they so are. So yeah. there's a couple of things that you know, we obviously, our equality action meeting mm -hmm. meeting on Monday. Yes, we'll continue this. You know, looking at very practical ways. We'll continue to talk to have dialogue with you directly, mm -hmm. but you know we could also look at Section 481 and the role of Section 481, mm -hmm. and, and and that's something that we love to, to talk about. That where mm -hmm. we, where we could introduce concrete initiatives there to, to have women directors on. But really, it's about having where when a woman director is directing, everything else tends to follow the writer, you know, producers. It's really about directors. I think that's where the key changes. And, and the challenge also is, is that you know, film boards um, tend to have relationships more with writers and development than with producers. So directors can often come in later in the process, and I think that's where the challenge is. And the same with the BI, the BI, the direct relationship with producers. So it's really about looking at how can directors be more involved directly, if you want, with uh, the institutions and seeing like what, what can we do to really up those numbers. What, what do you think yourselves on? on directors specifically. Do you want, do you I, I'll go with that. I agree with you, uh, Birch. It, 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 it was very interesting to me, the, the results of round 30, because I think we knew intuitively that there was something not quite right with uh, the, 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 the parity between um, men and women directors. But I, I wasn't sure how stark it was. And it is actually quite stark if you compare it to producers and to writers. And writers, I think, have gone up. We have fewer, we had fewer women writers, and now it's kind of leveling a little bit, which is great. Um, but as Annie was talking about as well, I, for us, the issue is at application stage. These are applications coming in. So we haven't sought anything, they're coming in, we've opened around, and they're coming in, and the disparity is 70 30. Um, so there's definitely things that we need to do. Um, I've talked to, um, I've presented the, the plan to um, the joint event with the Directors Guild and the Writers Guild earlier, uh, later last year. I can't remember what month we are. What's my name? Anyway, uh, it, so I think the, the communication is there and I think it needs to kind of be moved on. And I think you're absolutely right that there is something to be done with um, linking producers and directors, and that's why I'm delighted to hear that SPY is in the room as well. We fund SPY too mm. for training and development initiatives. We fund director mm. skills for uh, training and development initiatives. These are development initiatives yeah. as I see them, so there's, there's a lot of scope, I think, for interaction and for partnership. Okay, I'm going to stop you there, uh, Stephanie. And uh, Roddy Flynn wants to come in. Roddy? I've actually more people in the room, all the answers to the question, but to Annie and Stephanie, 
manuscript goes out to a reader, is it blind read? It's a very good question, Roddy. It's not with the BAI, but it's something we're looking at. We've been talking about that that's a for a long time. Yeah, and it's a very good question. Debate. And it's certainly something that I would be keen to introduce. I can't answer for I, mean, I don't know whether you've thought no, any more about that. At the moment either. Yeah, we, I know. We don't blind read either, do we? Yeah. I couldn't hear the question. Blind reading, blind James. James. Blind reading. Blind reading. No, apparently no. no, we don't. No, but do you think it's something worth looking at? It's, it's certainly worth looking at. It's, it's, yes. Okay. Uh, this gentleman at the back here. I cannot here. disagree yeah. with that. Just uh, one question in relation to crews and crew Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, this, this is interesting. This is yeah. something we talked to um, the first of the production companies that we met the other mm. day, and in fact, they raised it. They said if you started to look at technical crews, mm. not only yeah. DOP, but way down in, in terms of construction mm. crews and um, designers, mm. even, and you know, huge gender, lots of mm. women doing costume and makeup, not so many doing set construction mm. so they were very keen that we looked at that as well the gender balance is pretty appalling it's awful if you look at the um you know a, a the the, uh, the men and women working in that sector and b the union representation for those men and women working in that sector both are pretty appalling so that is something that we would love to do would love to look at as well yeah again um training training, training. education mm -hmm. uh the new studios in troy for example mm -hmm. you know it would have been great if they had gone out and specifically looked for and i mm -hmm. don't know whether they did uh women trainees women construction workers and, mm -hmm. and started to train them up but certainly in my own institution we're very aware of that and, and trying to encourage women into those um you know sort of more technical and construction areas as well i i i have to agree with that mm -hmm. I, it's something that we're looking at as well we're certainly getting a gender breakdown at the end of the contracting process mm -hmm. for sound and vision grants so we'll have better data at the moment we're lacking data we have intuitive data but that's not necessarily mm -hmm. enough so once we are a few months in the process of collecting all that we might be able to target specific areas with specific learning and development initiatives, joint partnerships with the IFB or others. So it's something that's on the radar mm. as well. Uh, Anna Bryan. Just a quick question for Stephanie. Uh, is the BAI going to attach funding to the gender balance question rather than just kind of monitoring the data? Oh, we, we already are because there's a gender assessment criteria in place. So, uh, so there is a there is positive discrimination in place in terms of the at the strategic assessment level. So, to answer oh, okay. the question that was there earlier on, it has to have met a quality standard. Nice. Okay, and then once it gets to a strategic assessment level, gender assessment criteria kicks in. It's not the only criteria, but it's one of the criteria. So it's already in place. So yes, funding yeah. is attached. Because I worried when you said we hold back money, if you don't give us the data, I was thinking, well... No, no, uh, we, we, in, in terms of the contracting process yeah. with Sound and Vision, the last payment is once the project is over. Right. So you need to give us your accounts. And but you there are other issues prior to that. And there's plenty yeah. of other okay. issues, but it's at that stage that we compile the data. Okay. Sorry, say it again. How many? James, I'm looking to James. I wouldn't have that. Hundred. Hundred. Very similar to the numbers which apply for capitalists. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 I should have said. I think it was on my slides, but I didn't say. We're also looking to female-only development funding round later in the year. Okay. So yeah. if I could just uh, yeah. continue to answer your question, because I'm, I'm just remembering bits that I forgot to say. Uh, some of our specific initiatives, so like the Ireland Canada Fund, for example, uh, there's, we have initiative, uh, an initiative in development with the Arts Council and TG Cahar. 
all have agenda criteria as well. So, so it, it's part again of the assessment process. So yes, we are definitely attaching funding to the issue because we've heard the message loud and clear. Good. Lorna Kelly, TG Cahar. Just a trail from your TG Cahar there. I just, I suppose broadcasters haven't been mentioned as much here today. It's been more, I know with Sound and Vision, obviously broadcasters are, yeah. are integral to it. And I was here speaking to Susan earlier because I was down at a panel in Limerick three years ago and I've been absent a little bit lately in terms of helping push within TG Cahar a gender policy and establish one at the moment. But does the BAI, I suppose, uh, plan to influence broadcasters a little bit more, as in RT, TG Cahar and TP3, in terms of kicking that forward? I'm trying to do it for the, in the inside, but I'm wondering, is it going to be? Yeah, no, it's a different question for, I think, a, a different audience in that I was really talking about the, the output and the production supports that are in the production funding that is available. But we have a whole set of regulatory mechanisms in place with the broadcasters that are licensed or regulated by us, like TG Cahar or RTE. So we have been working through issues like the annual statement of performance commitment, the annual review of public funding, and also the five-year review of public funding that happens. So those gender criteria become a regulatory process and a regulatory tool. Now, I know RTE is in the process or has not nearly finalised their diversity strategy, which is, uh, to go back to your point, much uh, much broader, much more encompassing. Uh, but from the BAI's perspective, we're very much focused on gender, so we are definitely passing the message on with all of our licensed um, contractors and uh, others. We can take one more question, last one. Any takers? Oh, uh, we'll, take maybe, two. Well, we'll take two. Who we'll put the hand up first? I'll go with you first, then we'll need it to finish. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just, just want to say I really, really enjoyed the panel. I've been working on gender equality and diversity with some of the cultural institutions, so with the Abbey and with the National Library. And one of the things I was really interested about was challenging the narratives. Yes. It's something that Gina Davis Institute talks about a lot. And I know, I think, Stephanie, you might have talked about that, Annie, you might have as well. How do you do that? I mean, where, at what point do you intersect if you see something and you just think, that's... That's problematic. God, that's, that's a really long question to answer. Uh, I'll do my best. I'll, I'll give you 10 seconds. <laughs> no problem, no um, I, I think, first of all, one of the issues that we have is about the bulk of stories. So the bulk of stories that we get tend to be not female stories. Mm. So I think by saying, by going out and saying, actually, we only want women's mm. stories, we're challenging that, we're challenging the bulk. And within the bulk, there will be different representation of women. So I don't think it's an easy question to answer, and I don't think it's an easy problem to fix. But I think if we can challenge the amount of stories, and that in, in, in itself will trickle down to various perceptions. I'm not sure if I'm making myself clear. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you want to comment on that, Annie? No? No, I mean, I think, it, I think it is just huge. I'll give you a, a concrete example. We were talking about over lunch that um, twice recently I've knocked back invitations to be on panels because I've been the only woman on the panel. Right. And um, in both occasions, both panels got back to me, so oh, we couldn't find any women. And I said, I have a list of 50. Yeah. For each of those, I'll send you them. So I think even something as small as that, yeah. just, you know, when you see it happening, call it out, challenge it, saying, no, I'm not going to be on your panel because it isn't you know, diverse enough, or this is yeah. the other way, but it's, it's not diverse enough, it's not about, uh, you know, it's not about raising the issue that we need to So raise. we finish off with Juanita Wilson. Yes, uh, thanks very much, it's very interesting, it is encouraging. I'm just wondering, um, in addition to the PLE scheme, which is to be welcomed, have you considered um, maybe doing a short film scheme whereby, you know, say of the 400,000, four women could get a chance to make shorts but to have them really well resourced so that those women get to have great 
cruise around and what great experience. Because I know from my own experience that if you have that level of resources, you can really fulfil your potential. Rather than asking women on a lower budget like 400,000 to actually go and direct a really good feature film that can compete in the marketplace. So just wondering, is that something you've looked at or would look at down the road? Yeah, I think it, it's certainly something we would look at. I mean, we're aware of, of the fact that a lot of women do make shorts. Um, and the shorts are difficult to make and there's problems with budgets and all the rest of it. So certainly it's something we'd be willing to look at, which is how do you put the investment much earlier at the early stage that then builds up to those feature films. So I think that's the kind of thing that the, the Gender Equality Committee want to hear. You know, what are the things coming... Because we can sit here and we can say, we think this, this and this would make mm. a difference. What we need is filmmakers to say, this, this and this would really make a difference. So feed into that... that um, consultation and, and you know contact the members and say how about this and it's certainly something that we would consider I mean we're a bit like the BAI we're limited in, in funding so we always have to make the most of a small amount of funding but certainly it's something we'd look at yeah okay uh, can I say thanks to the three panelists apologies to Anne-Marie they're doing sterling work but of course everybody jumps into the funders can I thank uh, Ross very much for being so gracious and giving us an extra 10 minutes uh, and thank you all I think the gender discussions always get the very best audience <laughs> thank you very much thank you, thank you. Thank you.